Welcome to the Deeper Dive podcast. Each week we take a deeper look at the text we covered in worship on Sunday, and we do that by discussing things like historical settings and literary context, the way others before us have read the text, and our reflective approach to reading that same text. This podcast is part of Calvary's Daily Connection, a place where Calvary shares something new each day to help you grow in faith, so we hope you check that out through Calvary's app or by going to connectwithcalvary.org, where we're heading into the second week of uh, Advent here, and so we're going to spend a little time talking about that and then about Psalm uh, 85, I think. Okay. So let's jump into it. Sounds good. Well, Advent comes from the Latin word Adventus, meaning to coming, meaning coming or visit. So for us as Christians, especially here in the Western culture that we live in, uh, Advent's really the beginning of the liturgical year for Christians. Uh, liturgical in the sense that uh, it uh, means there are some forms and some functions that we do in public worship relative uh, to Advent. Uh, we're preparing for the coming of Christ. We we celebrate the coming of Christ the first time. We celebrate the coming of God physically in the form as he appeared uh, uh, in that baby that's in the manger. But we also are celebrating the anticipation uh, of his return at some point one day, although we don't know what that is. And we celebrate the presence now, so past, present, and future. Right, right. So anyway, uh, we're kind of excited about where we are. We did things a little different this year. We bumped Advent up a week so we could have Christmas Eve Sunday be Christmas Eve all day long. And uh, so we're looking forward to that as well. And it is a legal thing to do. (laughs) We didn't break any liturgical laws. Some churches are doing that, um, are starting Advent a week early, because like other churches do what we do and have uh, Christmas Eve, Eve on the 23rd. So how do you go from celebrating the birth of Christ to celebrating the week before the birth of Christ to celebrating the birth of Christ a few hours later? Mm-hmm. So it just kind of is a is a, a ridiculous cycle. So um, uh, the the timing of Advent isn't as important as what we do during Advent. Right. And so we're celebrating the birth of Christ. And we're doing that here through a preaching series and through uh, musical connections and through liturgy connections about coming home to Christ mm-hmm. and coming home to God. Mm-hmm. And that's been an interesting uh, study, as well as, I think, some interesting reflections from folks who have uh, been in worship the last couple of weeks. And and uh, people have asked me, you know, where did Advent come from? And, and uh, as you look at the ancient church, um, uh, not... I mean, after Christ, um, there was a big celebration of uh, Epiphany as well as Lent. And uh, during those times, um, um, you know, they were, during, during the Old Testament time, there were feasts and festival days, and that brought people together in those high holy days. And that kind of thought pattern continued into uh, the, the life after Christ, and the church came together and celebrated those high holy days and, and literally traveled together to be together. And so um, some of those um, um, high holy days were established in in, um, um, liturgies or um, practices were put around those. And Lent was a time of... uh, uh, and and I've I've often thought that uh, I would love to do this sometime, but a time of lighting candles, um, as we do kind of for Advent, but um, seven candles for uh, Lent. There are six weeks in Lent, and then Easter. That makes seven. Um, and 
when they kind of backed it up from Epiphany to Advent, that practice of candle lighting uh, was picked up again. And this Sunday, we will light the pink candle, and people uh, will say, why do we light pink on the third week? Shouldn't it be the fourth week? And, and if we do that, if we think about it in that way, that's a countdown to Christmas, and that's not what Advent is about. That's not uh, a, uh, as I talked about in the children's sermon on Sunday, it's not like a, a Christmas calendar that, that says, how many more days do we have until we open presents? It's a celebration of the, uh, of the character of Christ, and we do that in four weeks. Um, but, um, but the pink candle, um, there, there was a time of, of fasting initially in the church during Lent, and they broke that fast halfway through Lent um, to celebrate what, not just the crucifixion, but the resurrection. And, and so um, that was a time of recognizing that there was joy as well. And so during Advent, it's also a breaking of the fast. We don't do fasting around here during Advent, um, but uh, that was an ancient practice. And so they would they would um, break that cycle uh about midway, and the pink candle represented the hope and the light shining through the purple, uh, which brought to pink the light shining through the darkness. The Eastern Orthodox Church uh, particularly did the fasting, and I don't know if that's still a current practice of theirs or not, uh, but I know traditionally that was a part that that was, uh, the fasting was a huge part of this time of season for them. So, Worship professor, have anything to add to that? No, I mean, it's... <laughs> It's almost incomprehensible for us, I mean, in this kind of a culture to think about, uh, you know, the quote-unquote Christmas season, which you know, right. we kind of relabel Advent, uh, as, a, as a season of fasting. I mean, but it comes, out of, it comes out of the tradition of Lent. It is more like Lent than it is anything else. And Lent is, and Lent comes out of a preparation for baptism. So Lent is about preparing um, for you to take on, you know, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And Advent is about uh, preparing to take on the incarnation or the flesh of Jesus. And both of those things require uh, some serious contemplation Mm -hmm. from us. At least that's what the ancient church uh, settled on. And so in 21st century American culture, um, that's a hard push for us. Uh, that's a hard thing to kind of line up, you know, and, um, we so a lot of celebrate these, all of Christmas yeah. about Christmas. So not, a, a yeah. lot of these things get lost. Uh, you know, uh, the pink candle, the gaudete candle, the candle of joy, it's kind of like, well, we're doing that all the time anyway. So what's the, right. you know, what's the big deal? Right. And, and there's a sense of that. And so it's hard to, uh, you know, I, I feel for everyone quite honestly, because there's just no good way to kind of resolve that and to I mean to know about it is is helpful but you know boy you're you're in a real real pickle (laughs) so to speak uh, in all of that doesn't mean that you can't uh, embrace what you have and and go with that but uh, know that it is frustrating from the very beginning uh, because we cannot line it up like it was meant to be lined up Mm -hmm. it's just not possible anymore and so if you're feeling angsty about that that's why, and there's not a lot that uh, that we can do, <laughs> quite honestly. Yeah. <laughs> about yeah. that, about that uh, that disconnect. 
there. Well, those seasons of the year um, also mirror uh, Old Testament practices in the sense the practice of trying to remember. When, and that was a big practice. God, God, through the Passover, God, through the crossing of the Red Sea. And when I come to Advent or Lent or other seasons, Pentecost, uh, Epiphany Sunday, uh, whatever that might be, um, it's, it's our attempt to remember what God has done. And from that, then, to remember what God has done, to remember then somehow either to uh, – sometimes I think it's to reapply it to our lives, especially in right. this country where Absolutely. there's so many things pulling at our attention and we find ourselves so easily distracted from the things of God that uh, – uh, sometimes I wish there was something between, something significant between Easter and uh, the summertime and what we look at at the fall to help us do a better job of remembering during that season of the year as well. But anyway, did you uh, did you get to your joy candle and uh, to, to next Sunday just to uh, whet the appetites a bit? I did. I wanted. I just wanted to share a little bit about why the pink candle, and that is the joy candle, as Isaac was talking about, and um, and you know that always um, bothers me when we do something and people don't understand why we're doing it, and um, so that's why I I think it. I can't quite recall, but I think that my home church. Uh, when I was growing up, had the pink candle as a fourth candle, almost like it's almost here. And I look back on that, and it's kind of like makes me quiver a little bit because that's not at all the point. It's not a countdown, um, but a a recognition of every week. And I know when my kids were little, uh, we lit the Advent candles around the table, and we really talked about um, all the those. Uh, words of hope love joy peace and um and what they meant for our lives and i don't know if the kids got anything out of it or not but uh at least we were trying to teach them and and it gave us an opportunity as their parents Mm -hmm. even though we were both pastors Mm -hmm. to remember what was going on um so you know we do what we can to to get those meanings out there and uh and try to try to fight the commercialism as much as we can right we're ready to slide to Psalm 85 just Go a bit for it, more. Dude. There's a section of this whole Psalm 85 that I we did not read yesterday and we did not address at all, and, and um, it's a it's the verses three through th- six. I actually had us pick it up at verse seven, but three through six says this, and it's a different flavor uh, from uh, some of the uh, other. Uh, pieces here it says this you and this is directed towards god you have been furious you've turned away your burning anger you the god who can save us restore us stop being angry with us will you be mad at us forever will you prolong your anger from one generation to the next will you bring us back to life again won't you bring us back to life again so that your people can rejoice in you and this is where we picked it up yesterday morning uh show us your faithful love lord and give us your salvation um it it would have been a a fun yes well i say fun it would have been interesting yesterday to be able to take a little time to talk about uh, this piece of the scripture uh, in terms of, uh, of, I mean, these are pretty strong words, and I did not go back because I'm not a Hebrew, I'm just not a Hebrew scholar to go back and, and do a word study on wrath or furious or um, uh, angry with us or mad at us. Those are pretty, 
common terms. But uh, I, playing in my mind as, as uh, I did preparation for this was just how mad is God, just how furious is God. It talks about your burning anger, which somehow or another seems to give an indication um, uh, that it's not just uh, he's upset. I mean, we talk about the wrath of God in other places. Um, and somehow to know that uh, to know that is a part of our God as well when it when it talks about sin, when it talks about rebellion, when it talks about breaking his laws, or I think in one place I talked about using the principles of God, uh, that it not, it's not a casual thing for him. It's something that pretty deeply upsets him, offends him. Um, we could get into a, a conversation about uh, predestination, but I don't feel like it this morning. But uh, uh, did God predetermine the Babylonians were going to come and capture, capture, uh, capture the uh, children of Israel? You see why I don't want to get into it. capture the children of Israel? Or just because of their disobedience, did God did God take His covering hand off of them, and that just happened as a part part of the natural sequence? I don't know that I have answers for that, but there are times when God God withdraws His covering in our sinfulness, and at least in my little mind, it's like God saying, "Okay." You want to do this this way? You want to ignore me? I, this is what I've done for you. Just remember, uh, I brought you out of Egypt into the promised land, although it took you a while to get there. And now you once again have turned your back on me, which is what got you into captivity to start with. And now you're in captivity again. Um, and the children of Israel, uh, I think part of what they're trying to do is to figure out why it's lasted so long, why it's been so intent. I am um, over in Psalm 137, and I was there was another place we could have we could have done just a little bit of pondering. It says here, along Babylon's streams, there we sat down. Now this is uh, this is uh, the children speaking. There along Babylon's streams, we sat down crying because we remember Zion, and so sometimes in in um, our acts of sinfulness when. When uh, an awareness comes, uh, John Wesley would talk about that when prevenient grace comes, um, there is an awareness of what used to be as opposed to what there is now. He says, he goes on to say, we hung up our lyres in the trees, and that's because our captors asked us to sing. Our tormentors requested songs of joy. Sing us a song about Zion, they said. But how could we possibly sing the Lord's song in foreign soil? So when we are reading through 85, part of their acts of repentance is not only because they have deeply offended God and felt what they thought was the wrath of God or the anger of God or the burning anger of God, but it's also a missing of what they had. And most of the time, we don't appreciate what we've got until after it's gone. And I think for however many centuries they, or yeah, however many centuries they were in Babylon. And it seems to me they were a couple hundred years in Babylon, if I remember right. Maybe maybe close to 300 even, but 
Uh, it's interesting that somehow stories about God must have been told during that, that season, likely through the oral tradition again. I don't know what happened to whatever scrolls that might have been in the temple. It goes on down here to say, um, uh, where is it? Uh, in verse 7 of 137, it says, Lord, remember what the Edomites did on Jerusalem's darkest day? Rip it down, rip it down, all the way to its foundations, they yelled. Daughter of Babylon, you destroyer. And then it goes on to say some other things there. But there was mass destruction. Uh, and how they remembered their God when they weren't allowed to worship in a manner or form that they were accustomed is really interesting to me. So at some point in their life or in their memory or in their past on memory, there is that relationship with God that we had, although it's a different relationship than we understand today, and that's what they longed for. I hope it was more than just wanting to get their land and their stuff back, uh, which I, I, I'm a bit cynical sometimes. And so I, I ask the real depth of the motive, is that what this was really all about? Nobody likes to be in captivity when you're your own boss. Yeah, but I think there's also a hunger for um, for who God is, and there were prophets that would remind them of that, of their commitment, mm-hmm. and um, who would um, who declared the the word of the the word of the Lord again and reminded them of where they'd been. Um, that's one of the things I like about um, uh, the books of Ezra and Nehemiah, uh, the way that they work together. Um, I just I don't want to get us off on a tangent, but um, you know when when they read the the law and people just wept and wept and wept, uh, recognizing how far away they'd gone because they had not heard that law right. read right for those two three hundred years right. And so when you read that and um, and recognize how far you, how far you've come or gone, um, you know, and that's I think that's hard for us to. Um, to think about, um, I, I try to put something on that in terms of what my parents or grandparents might have got. Well, no, longer than that. Um, you know, great, 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 great grandparents. I, you know, what can I miss from back then? I, I don't know what that is. Um, um, I can look back to my own grandparents and say I miss that. Uh, that connection as the church being central to everything, um, but that's that's different than not knowing, um, mm-hmm. putting God aside and not mm-hmm. knowing that. I look at this and say, and and this is a heretical statement. Um, <laughs> this is me being heretical. Was God really <laughs> angry, or did the Israelites not understand God, and so? said wrote the words of scripture that said god was angry that was in the back of my mind guilt guilt oftentimes uh, when we're feeling guilty about somebody we may cross somebody's path assuming they know our guilt and believe somehow or another in the inner workings of our soul being and psyche that they are mad or upset with us Oh, so, I've had, and you probably have too, have had people come to me and say, my loved one is sick because I have sinned. Mm-hmm. I had a man that I tried to convince, I think to his dying day, he thought it was his fault that his wife uh, had Alzheimer's mm-hmm. because he had done awful things. He had done that. And I said, what kind of a God 
would that be if if God took your sin out on your wife? What what kind of a God would that be? No, that didn't happen. But that but, that was an Old Testament thought about, it, and it certainly seemed to have some credence here mm-hmm. because of how many generations would have happened in two hundred years or three hundred years. We'd have had what at least five, six generations. Uh, but it also seems to me that um, less of an intentional punishment, more of a causal kind of thing, right? Where this is what we've brought been brought up in how we've been taught to act, and so this is how we begin to act, and then something triggered that thought within them that we need to return to the God of our fathers, the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. Um, and um, in that captivity, um, whether it was those stories continuing to be told, whether it was the memories that they had been taught from their grandfathers even though they were in captivity, that triggered that motive of repentance. That just fascinates me. Yeah. Because sometimes I sit back here as a pastor in this country with more than a bit of fear and trembling, wondering what I have absorbed, even though that's what I've been taught, but wondering what I have been absorbed that has been strained from what God really intended, what I've absorbed even through the church that's really not exactly or even close to what God intended life with him to be about. Um, and so anyway, that's just my own ponderings. Uh, even as we come to Advent, even as we come to this time of preparation, are we getting really ready for Christ? Because, because Advent, in my mind, is not only a celebration of the first coming of Christ, it is uh, an anticipation of the second coming of Christ. Absolutely. And we don't hear many messages about that. We don't hear a lot about that. Yeah, typically the first Sunday, and for years I preached from the lectionary, and the first Sunday of Advent is always uh, talking about expectation about the the, the coming of Christ, and uh, I really loved that. And you know, we we kind of have gotten the last few years. Uh, Randy and I have have done series that don't follow that, but. I think it's awesome to start Advent with uh, the realization that Christ is coming again um, and and recognizing the threefold purpose of Advent um, to remember we, we do a really good job of remembering that adorable baby in a, in a manger, which is we, we just make that manger look so beautiful and and it was a feeding trough for heaven's sakes. Um, I, I often talk about what must have gone on in the stable, and if we could hear the animals talk, they would say, there's a baby in my food. Um, and, and, you know, we, we make that so pretty, um, but it's not just about a baby, <laughs> but we want it to just be about a baby. Mm-hmm. And, and it's, it, it's about Jesus now in our lives, walking with us now, it's about uh, Jesus coming again. What was the incarnation if it was just about an adorable baby? It's not. It's about transformation and setting the world on it upside down, turning it upside down. And yeah, I could go into a rant about that. I think one of the things, and I don't know how, if I got this across yesterday morning or not, um, 
but for those who have had or have or are in some form of a relationship with God, how do we how do we come back to home? Are we willing to tuck our shirt in if that's mm-hmm. what God requires of us? Um, are we willing to uh, uh, to even accept the invitation to come home? Folks, uh, you're going to have to look back at the sermon from at Sunday the sermon to, to see that that, uh, <laughs> that video clip from yesterday morning. Yeah. But um, I came across a quote that said that the sense of present afflictions sometimes should not drown out the remembrance of the former mercies, but even when brought low, we must call, we must call to remembrance past experiences of God's goodness, which we then must take notice of with thankfulness to his praise. And that's how Psalm 85 started, mm-hmm. with a thankfulness and a word of praise about who God was and what God was doing. and. And then they began to move on to teaching about how to pray to God for grace and mercy. Um, and then they moved on to, to God showing himself. I, I didn't say much to this yesterday, but it says, show us thy mercy, God, not only the mercy, but the evidences of that mercy. Um, and so God did. And God did. sending his son. And that, but that's a part of the coming back is for us. Right. I think sometimes brothers and sisters in Christ wander far enough away, they don't know how to come back. Or they may not know that they're actually gone. Right, that's Because some of the practices we have that um, uh, don't seem to be clear about that. Um, so it's just an interesting season. For those folks who have never been invited to Christ's table, uh, I hope that some of us will remember you know, the goodness of that, the goodness of God's mercy, the goodness of God's grace, and at least offer that to somebody else. They may not have actually lived in a season of their lives, in a season of their lives where they experienced God himself, but they may simply experience that through the seasons of our lives as believers. And how can we call those brothers and sisters who who are not yet Christian, how do we call them to a homecoming with God, to a mm-hmm. place where they can come and, and experience that. And that's always in my mind the dilemma, whether it's in the Advent season, the Christmas season, the, whatever time of the year it is, is how to call, how to reach out, how to somehow connect with somebody so they can understand the goodness of knowing God as their God. Yeah, and, and people say, well, that's such a personal thing. Oh, my goodness. You know, if... Uh if if we had a party to go to, we would certainly, and it was a great party, and there were stars going to be there, we would certainly invite people. And we have this star of all stars, um, the light of all lights, and uh, and we're reluctant to invite people into his presence. You know, it's just... Oh, I just I just want to say please um, for for their sakes. And I think about um, uh, my son. I think about our kids that don't uh, that have fallen away or, or or don't go to church or whatever. Man, I wish I wish somebody would invite invite them. Mm-hmm. Not not us, obviously, um, but but someone would just say, "Hey, we would love for you to go to church with me." Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. call them home, because I think that is home for them. So that's just kind of a little general reminder from us to take those cards that you'll find in your yeah. bulletins, not only yesterday, but for the next, what, two weeks, two weeks. three weeks. Um, for the next few weeks. The next two, the next two weeks. Uh, to, to bring somebody right. with you 
and let them come home. Not just for a church, but let them come home. You're right. Right. All right. I think we'll end that right there. And if you have uh, questions or comments that you'd like to uh, to share with us, please do that uh, either on Facebook or email or Twitter or however you uh, want to get a hold of us. And uh, next week we'll be back uh, with a deeper dive into that pink candle <laughs> That's right. of joy. So until then, grace and peace. Peace.